0: Good afternoon, everyone. I hope that I'm not going to compete with your digestive system in your stomach this afternoon. And it's not easy, I understand. So if you feel like you need to uh, take a nap, please do so. And you can do it right here. (laughs) And help yourself. Let me just explain to you Just let me just tell you uh, about my background. I was born in Korea, 1968. Now you know how old I am. I am 30 years old. I came to U.S. when I was 12 years old. Because my mother decided to re- remarry an American... Military man. You see, when I was ten, my my father, my Korean father, passed away because uh, of leukemia, and I came to U.S. with my family. I'm the youngest one in the family. And, you know, when you come to a new country and you have to speak the new language, it's not easy to adjust into that that society and that system. And I tell you, I can tell you some stories. I had hard times. But I tell you, the biggest problem that I went through when I was young is, or was, uh, we had a lot of family, few of. and anger, hate, resentment, jealousy, envy. And I had, I had very not that bad, but pretty bad relationship with my mother. And looking for some attention and looking for something in my life, I got into uh, breakdancing street breakdancing, and I changed my hairstyle, my clothes was all worldly, and I called myself Cobra, because I used to dance like a snake, and then later on, I felt like I was pretty good with dancing, I called myself King Cobra, some of you saw the tapes there, title, King Cobra, that was my name. My street name. And I was into dancing. My hair was long. I had funny looking things. I had necklaces with name plates as King Cobra. I had a belt says King. Leather pants, black jacket, guffitis on my back, radio on my shoulder, walking down the street every Friday night, Saturday night, many times, go to dance club, go to contest. become number one, and people shout, Cobra, cobra, cobra and I had really as a young person, I had everything. But you know the Holy Spirit will not let you go. Even though I was not a Christian, I was not religious, the Holy Spirit spoke to me that you need God. So through the providence of God my mother, even though she was not an adventist, she invited me to go to A Korean church. On Saturday. So I went to this Korean church on Saturday. And I learned something new that I never learned before. That God created me in the image of God. So from the time my life began to change. Because of time, I cannot tell you. But uh, my life began to change. My hair was cut. My clothes was changed. My room was filled with rap stars, rock stars, posters of King Cobra. I have statues of King Cobra. I have marks of King Cobra all over my room. But the Lord took all that away and gave me peace. And after four months, from the day that I stepped into a church, after four months, I was baptized as Seventh Adventist. And I still remember, you know, the Lord was kind of calling me saying, Peter, stop dancing with the devil. I will make you a messenger of God. And then the Lord took me to different educational system, Christian education system. And then I end up in Heartland. And I tell you, when I went to Heartland, I only read two chapters from Steps of Christ and two chapters from the Desire of Ages, and one chapter from Message to Young People. That's all the reading that I had. I never read, I never read one book in my life. In terms of Bible, <laughs> I tell you, when I, book, when I open up the book Romans, I'm dizzy. And you can imagine when I open the book to Revelation or Daniel or Ezekiel, oh my, I'm totally lost. And um, especially, you know, my English was not that good. And going to um, school, you know, high academic and a lot of demand. I have to study every day. And sometimes I go into class, you know, I- I'm not used to Australian accent. It's like a British accent. Sorry. <laughs> I would go in there and I don't know what he's talking about. I go in there with blank mind. I'll come up blank mind. And I'll tell you, but the Lord kept me going. Morning devotion. Morning devotion. Study. Stick to it. Study. 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 Sometimes I would just open my Bible and stare at my Bible. And I just want to absorb everything. So in my mind, I, I, you know, I have a very... I can say I have pretty good imagination. And I imagine that I have fires coming out from my eyes. And burn those letters. That were just those letters become mind. And I tell you, I just study and study and study. And I feel like for many years I was not going anywhere. But slowly, slowly, slowly. And then when I, during my end of my sophomore year, sorry, that's second year of college, something dropped on me. And the Lord showed me this is how you need to study your Bible. And I began to see the methods of studying the Bible. So from there, I with this new method. And then when I graduated, I graduated on Sunday. The very next day on Monday, I began to teach at the, very, at the college I graduated from. Uh, they asked me to become a Bible teacher. And you know something? When you become a Bible teacher, you learn four times more than your students. And that was the best occupation that I can, I can have. Why? Because, you know, I love to study Bible. And they are paying me. They're paying me to study my Bible and teach my Bible. Can you get a better occupation than that? How would you like to get paid? Your, your job is to study your Bible. <laughs> Wonderful. I tell you, I spent many hours in studying the Bible. And teaching it. First year. I remember first year, I had about 63 students. 63 students. And many of them are my age, just one or two years younger than I am. I can imagine their mind, Phew, who is this young boy <laughs> trying to teach us? And, uh, and then I had other people like, um, I don't know if you know this man or not, Walter Langenecker. He was my student. So in the class, I will give him a homework. Bow sign, hi, Mister. <laughs> I will bow to him because he is older than me. But the Lord has taught me many things, and I'm still learning. I have a lot to go. And then, uh, then I begin to travel to different countries during vacation time. So so far, I have been to 27 countries, preaching this three angels message. I tell you, my life right now is much better than before. I can testify. And you know, when my mother asked me to come to church, she was not even Seventh Adventist. But when I came to church, she was so surprised. All that she wanted me, all that she wanted from me, was cut my hair, stop dancing, and start studying, just to become a good boy. But I became a Christian. She says, Peter. Slow down, you're going too fast. <laughs> then after three months, she got convicted, got baptized. Five years, five years later, my step-American father, he got baptized, attending two or three Daniel and Revelation seminars. I praise God for that, don't you? I have uh, two sisters who are not a 7th Adventist, but the Lord has His time. And it's not easy to witness here to own family Remember, but God will do his work. If they are sincere, God will give them an opportunity to see the truth. So what can I say? This is my song and this is my joy. Because the Lord has brought me out of darkness into marvelous light. Well, if I, I wish I had more time to share with you, but that's just a bit of my background. And I, right now, I have my own school called Iona Bible Research Center. <clears throat> I had a burden to have a small training school for different kinds of needs. I know we have college like Leah and Remar. sorry, Heartland. And... And that's, you know, four years of uh, training and course. And I thought I have, I need to build something that is perhaps more, you know, shorter, Concentrate. concentrated for different needs. Because, you know, um, I, I, don't, I cannot meet all the needs, but perhaps I can meet a certain group who needs just short training and they can go into the work and start working for God. So I established this Iona Bible Research Center. My first session, I had six students. One from LA. Uh, that's Los, Los Angeles. That's California. One from Texas. One from New York. One from North Carolina. One from Korea. And one from Egypt. Even though my school was so small, but, but already it was international school. And one of the girls... She's, she was not a, she's still not a Seventh Adventist. She came to, to search the truth. And she was so confused. It was almost like, if I don't find the truth, I'm going just give, to just give up. She came, she studied, and took that conversion and righteousness by faith class. Systematic study on conversion. Explain from the Bible and the Spirit prophecy. And after two weeks, she came to me in tears, crying. I said, why are you crying? She said, I'm crying for my relatives because they are lukewarm. If they don't know this message, they will be perished. You know the Lord has changed her heart. She was, you know, having trouble with some of those you know, standards and reforms. But as I explained, she was changing like this. And one day she, she was at the week of prayer, and I was preaching. And when I made an appeal for baptism, she stood up to be baptized as a Seventh-day Adventist. And of course, she, she wants to be baptized with her family, so I'm sure she will be baptized perhaps in the near future. When I see things like that I believe my friends we need to train young people for God's work what do you say Amen. to have a true conversion with the spirit of Christ and go out to give this message to every nation kinder tongue and people and I tell you there's much more that needs to be worked and that needs to be done and my school is coming up this September and I'll be taking up the topic of Book of Daniel for 25 days, September 5 through 30. And then uh, in October, we're going to study Revelation chapter 1 through 11. I already have a few students coming. I believe, the Lord willing, I have, I'm going to have students from Austria and also Hawaii, also LA and some other parts of the world. So please, Pray for us, because we need to train leaders and spread this message as quickly as possible. Today, this afternoon, we want to study from Revelation chapter 10. So, turn your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 10. Is the recording on, Jason? Okay. Revelation chapter 10. But before we begin, let's just bow our heads for prayer, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can come together to study the Word of God. May the Holy Spirit teach us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 10. And my topic for this afternoon is called The Mystery of God Should Be Finished. Revelation chapter 10 and verse 7, the Bible says, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. And he had declared to his servants the prophets. Let me show you from the Bible, when is the beginning of the seventh angel. Turn your Bibles with me now to Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 14 Revelation chapter 11 and verse 14 the Bible says the second wall is past and behold the third wall cometh quickly and verse 15 the Bible says and the seventh angel sounded we are talking about the seventh angel that we just read in revelation chapter 10 and there were great voices and voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our lord and of his christ and he shall reign forever and ever if you continue to read it's talking about how god will establish his kingdom but what's very interesting in this moment when the seventh angel is sounding Verse 19 the Bible says, And the temple of God was what? What in heaven? Temple. Temple. What is that? Heavenly sanctuary in heaven, the Bible says, is open. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and earthquake and great hell. So, which door was open, do you think? It was open to the holy place or the most holy place? The most holy place, why? Because the furniture of Ark of Covenant or Testament. And we know that the ministration in the most holy place, it began when? 1844. Therefore, the seventh angel began to sound from when? 1844. So from 1844, before Jesus come, what needs to be finished? The mystery of God should be? Finish. That's right. And what is the mystery of God? Okay, we're going to go step by step. The big picture is Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Romans 16. Romans 16. And verse 25, <coughs> the Bible says, Now to him that is of power to, to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of, this, of the what? mystery which was kept secret since the world began. So according to the Bible text, what is the mystery of God? The gospel, isn't it? So my friends, it is clear. Gospel is the mystery of God, and that needs to be finished, or that needs to be proclaimed, to finish its work. Therefore, we can line up sounding of seventh angel, and the mystery of God should be finished, with... Three angels' message. So three angels' message began to sound around the time of 1844 and onward till second coming of Jesus. We can line them up like that. Now, let's go deeper than this, shall we? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27 The Bible says To whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentile which is Christ in you the hope of glory So what needs to be finished What's the mystery? Christ living in you, the hope of glory. glory. That's right. What does that mean? When Christ is living in you, you have the hope to reflect God's character. That revelation of God's character in God's people, that must be finished before Jesus can come back. So Christ must what? Live in you. But my friends, What church is it it? from 1844 1844. that the Bible describes the condition of the last day church? The The Laodicean church, right? And the biggest problem with the Laodicean church is lukewarmness, isn't it? And why they're lukewarm? There are many reasons not listening to testimony of Christ. Or the spirit prophecy. And not having a genuine faith. They're naked and poor. But the biggest problem my friend. Is the Bible says. Jesus is. Standing at the door and knocking. That means my friend. Is Jesus in them or outside of them? Can they finish the mystery of God when Jesus is outside of them? Why? Because mystery of God is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. glory. That's right. So what it means to open the door for Christ to come in? When can Christ live in you? The Bible says in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth, what? In me. So why is it, my friend, the in church, the door is shut? They did not want to what? Crucified and die to self. That's the problem. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That mystery must be finished. Why, my friends? Let's go back to creation, shall we? Turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah 43 and verse 7. Isaiah 43 and verse 7. The Bible says, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my one. Glory, and you know from the Bible, the word glory in the Bible means what? God's character. That's right. God created you and me according to the Bible for his character, for his glory. How do I know the word glory means character? Because one time Moses asked God, to his to see his glory and God said I will show you my goodness I will show you my name I will show you my grace I will show you my mercy when you put grace goodness name grace and mercy all put it together you know they all describe what the character of God so the word glory means God's character God I have created you for My glory, my character. That's how man was created in the beginning in the image of God. But now notice what happened. Turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the what? Glory, Glory of God. So my friends, why, why do we lost the character of God? What does the Bible say? Because of sin that we lost the character of God. So what is God's solution? Christ in you, the hope of? Glory. In other words, by Jesus Christ living in you, God can restore back into the one image of God in his character. Turn your Bibles with me to Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. Chapter two and verse fourteen. Second Thessalonians. Chapter two and verse fourteen. The Bible says this. Whereunto he called you by what our gospel, God is calling you and me by what gospel by the mystery of God for what reason? What does the Bible say to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ? What does it mean, obtain, receive, possess, experience. The character of Jesus Christ. Why God is calling us to his character. Because my friend. We lost the image of God. And God wants to restore us. That's the purpose of the gospel. Many people today. In many churches. They come to the church. With the Bible under their arm. They pay money to the church. They sing songs to God. And they pray. They act holy in God's church. But when they go home. If something happens, something goes wrong, they lose their temper, they lose their patience, they get angry, hateful, jealousy, they cheat, lie, they backbite, they fight, they live like a devil for six days, then come to church living like a saint. It doesn't work like that. The power of the gospel is to change you so that. Husband who used to beat up his wife, he learned to love his wife. A woman who used to complain and mummer all the time began to praise and express joy in the home. Children who used to disobey their parents and dishonoring God, they began to behave sober-minded and to walk after in the ways of God. My friends, this... Is the power of the gospel. The character of God being restored in man. That's the mystery of God. Christ in you. Now, we already studied the other mystery, didn't we? Let's just go back there quickly, and I'm going to make a big picture out of this. Turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians. I mean, about this time, when I say Ephesians, you should immediately think about what? Unity. Unity, right? The mystery of God. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 9 and 10. The Bible says, Having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His, what? Good pleasure, which He hath purpose in Himself. And the mystery of God is one, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him. So my friends, we now have one mystery, but now so far, two different aspects. One mystery is this. Christ and you united. Other mystery is everything together in Christ. That means unity not only between heaven and earth but unity between among yourselves. Unity between Heaven and earth, yes, and unity between man and man, woman and woman, brothers and sisters. Do you understand that? Why did Jesus die on the cross to bring about unity between all in truth and righteousness? Turn your Bibles with me. Listen to the prayer of Jesus in John chapter seventeen and verse twenty two. John chapter 17 and verse 22. John 17 verse 22. The Bible says this. And the glory which thou gavest me. Who's speaking here? Jesus. Jesus saying, Father, the glory which thou hast given me I have what? Given them. Who are them? His disciples, right? For what reason, the Bible says, that they may be what? One, even as we are. So tell me, my brothers and sisters, what's the reason why Jesus is giving His glory to us? That we might be what? One! One! What kind of quality of, the, of this unity? As who is one? God is one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit be one. What does that mean, my friends? Do you ever thought, why? How can those three Godheads be uh, united? to be one let me tell you something God the Father He only reveals Himself through who? Jesus and Jesus He always tries to show who? the Father and the Holy Spirit tries to show who? Jesus did you know that none of them is trying to reveal themselves? They don't say, Hey, I am the God of the Father, move out of the way. No, I am I am the Son of God. Move move out of the way. They say, Look at my son. No, no, no. Look at my father. No, no. Look at Jesus. They're always pointing to each other. They are one humble, my friends. That's our God. That's one of the reasons why they are united in one purpose. One mind, one goal, one direction, one destiny. We serve such a God. Can we be united? Can we have unity? What's the prerequisite? We have to receive something. What is that? Glory of Jesus Christ. That's right. So, what unity comes first? Unity between you and your God or unity among yourselves? Unity between you and your God. That will result what? Unity among yourselves. Don't try to create this kind of unity among yourselves without this. Because it will never take place. Because on earth, even, even two loving people will separate. Divorce. Separation. Even though they kiss each other... They got married, they they love each other on the wedding day, but they were still divorced. Why? Because, my friend, that marriage was dependent upon human effort, human desire, human ideas. The only true unity is unity of a heart. What kind of heart? A renewed heart. Transformed character. That's the reason why, my friend, if you want home to be united, you must pray. That every member of your home is converted. That is the only true unity in your home, in your church, in your community. But Satan will try to create false unity. I'm going to show you about that a little bit later. But, let's go a little deeper, shall we? The Bible says, The glory which thou hast given me, I have given Them and we know that the glory means God's character. But this word glory has deeper meaning than just this. Because in the same chapter, chapter 17 and verse 1. John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said... Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, and thy Son also may, what? Glorify thee. What hour was this? Hmm? What hour was this? That's right. Hour of... Supreme trial upon Jesus. What what hour? Hour from Gethsemane to Calvary. Watch this. The hour is come. That shows that Jesus knew the prophecy. It's the book of Daniel. Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son. What does that mean? It's a time for the son to be what? glorify or to receive what? Glory. In other words, my friend, Jesus wants to give you His glory which He received from when? The time of Gethsemane till Calvary. Let me make this more clear. Turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 23. John chapter 12 and verse 23, the Bible says, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be what? Glorified. What does that mean? Verse 23. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, and what happens? Die. It abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much. So, what? What, this, what is this hour to be glorified, representing the death of Jesus Christ? In other words, my friends, let me tell you something. If you are a patient person. If you are a patient person, what kind of situation will glorify your character of patience? What kind of trial? Extreme trial of impatient, isn't it? If your character is a love, what kind of situation will magnify that character? When someone is mad at you, when, when the whole world is against you, when you have so much hate around you, but yet you still want love them. So in, a, in a one way, my friend, Jesus, when He was on this earth, He reflected the character of the Father throughout all His life. But in the last moment of His life, from Gethsemane till Calvary, that period of time, that hour, Jesus revealed the greatest, the brightest character of the love of God. Do you understand that? Why? Because it was a time of trial. The wrath of God feeling the guilt of whole humanity. So, what Jesus saying, the character that I have reflected from Gethsemane to Calvary, that character I have given to my who? Disciples. That they all may be one. What kind of character is this, my friends? It is a self-sacrificing love character. When you have that, I guarantee If all of you have this character, we should see unity. And we should see power. The problem is, in a church, the people fight for position. I'm an elder. I'm a deacon. I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. And they fight. I know this truth. I'm only I'm I'm only right. My friends, you you better stand for truth firmly if you know that is truth. But while you're while you're standing for the truth, you cannot reveal Satan's character. We must learn to reflect his character at all times, at any place even though you are standing for the truth, even though the other person is wrong, you should always reflect the meekness, the humility, the character of Christ. That will be, my friend, the final test for every Seventh-day Adventist and every faithful and true people in these last days. Because, my friend, from Gethsemane to Calvary, Jesus went through a hard, hard trial. It was a time that Jesus had all the reasons why he should what? Hate those people and give up those people. And say, forget these people. They never listened to me. I told them many, and many, many, many times for three and a half years, but they never listened. How about his disciples? They all took off, forsaking him. Jesus could have many reasons why he should be angry and show his hatred towards them. But yet Jesus was loving, kind, patient, even to the death of the cross. That character must be embedded in our mind in our forehead this is the reason why the 144,000 have the father's name his character written in their forehead mothers be careful when you deal with your children you must guide them correct them but do not show any impatient hatred fathers be careful Maybe you're too tyrant, dictatory, thinking that you are a father. I am a father. You must listen to me. Be careful not to show arbitrary, wrong, extreme character. Be kind, be loving, but yet firm. Somehow, my friends, when we learn to be firm, we get angry. When we learn to be meek, we get so compromising. We're like, <laughs> has no foundation. We must follow the character of Jesus—meek, but yet strong; humble, but yet bold—to stand for God's truth. Amen. This is kind of character we need, and you must learn to pray for your enemies. Like they are your own child, your brother and sister. This is the reason why in John chapter 17 and verse 17 the Bible says. John 17 and verse 17. The Bible says, sanctify them through thy what? Truth, thy word is. So sanctification brings about what? Look at this. Sanctification brings about in verse 21 that they all may be what? One. One. So unity is a result of sanctification. And what is sanctification? Listen, you know, many times we think sanctification is something like this I'm going to be holy, I'm going to be right, I'm going to be sanctified. You're experiencing the righteousness by faith. If there's anyone doesn't agree with me, I'm gonna cut them off. Sanctified. If there's any people wicked, I will never talk with them. Is that sanctification? My friends, sanctification is living right, righteous life, holy life. But it goes deeper than that. True sanctification is, my friend, you are so purified, so much like Jesus, that you are willing to pray and show mercy and kindness to your enemies. Sanctify. Sanct. Remember that. The Bible says this is God's will. This is the will of God that even your what? Sanctification. Oh, we need to become more like Jesus. And look with me. In Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And verse 25. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives even as who? Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Jesus died for the church. Why? Verse 26. What's the first word? That he might what? Sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word so my friend what's the reason why Jesus died for us Two, one. you know what that means listen if would you like to help other people to be sanctified and we know that other people will be sanctified like in the way that you will be sanctified and the bible says we shall be sanctified by the word of God right but we can help them to be motivated to be sanctified you know how The Bible says Jesus died that he can sanctify the church, right? The best way to help other people to be sanctified is, my friend, you show them what it means to sacrifice yourself. You show them what it means to die to self. You show them what it means, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. When you show them that kind of life, other people will be motivated to follow your example of sanctification. But if you ever show them, I'm holy, take three steps back, don't come near me. I have nothing to do with you. If you show that kind of attitude, they don't want to be sanctified. They don't want to become like you. But Jesus, my friend, the word, how, do, how are we sanctified? By the word of God, isn't it? So, when the Bible says, my friend, Jesus is the Word, He's already sanctified. Word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. So, we have to learn, yes, don't compromise with sin, separate it from sin, separate from the world, separate from Babylon. But, my friends, you have to learn to be separate from sin, but learn how to mingle with sin. Sinners and others to win them for sanctification. The mystery of God should be what? Finish. When are you going to have Jesus live in you so that Jesus can work through you to help other people to come to realization of what it means to experience the mystery of God together? The gospel will go to every nation, kinder, tongue, and people. What's the message? Fear God and what? Give what? glory to Him. What does that mean, give glory to Him? To reflect His character. And the Bible continues to say in verse 27, what's the first word? In Ephesians chapter 5, and verse 27, that He might what? Present what? Who is, what is it? The church present the church how, to himself what kind of church, glorious church not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy without blemish. Now I want to explain the word without spot and without wrinkle. When you hear that word without spot wrinkle, what what do you think of? Without spot, without wrinkle. Wait, wait, without wrinkle. Do you know any wrinkle, Lamb? What's, what, what kind of thing usually have wrinkles? Clothes, right? So watch this. Jesus wants to sanctify the church. Now, there's a big... The Bible does not say Jesus wants to sanctify you individually. Although He does say that in other places. But the Bible says He, does, he wants to sanctify the what? Church. That means, my friends, Jesus wants to to sanctify the church, to prepare them to be church triumphant. Without spot, without wrinkle. And those those terminologies, my friend, is talking about laundry. What do you call them here? You call it laundry? So Jesus wants to wash us. Wash us, cleanse us, and then take out the spot and iron it. Why? Because my friend, the church, Jesus wants to marry to the church. That's what's taking place during investigative judgment. But before the church can marry with Jesus, the whole church has to wear what? Wedding? Garment. Garment. So Jesus it's going to not only sanctify individually, but sanctify the whole church. Shake the church. That's what happened when you do laundry, isn't it? I don't know about here in England, but I like the laundry system in Korea back in those days. They, use, they take the laundry, they, take, they go to the river. Not the slow moving water, but fast moving water. And they soak it. And they put the soap. I call it a soaking. It's like a baptism. Take it out, put the soap. the word of God. And then the word of God, the soap needs to go in the the, 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 the fiber, the, the, the you know the what do you call it? the thread, you know what I'm talking about. And in Korea, what we do, we get a big, like a baseball bat, and we beat on the clothes. The straight testimony. We need straight testimony that the word of God needs to go deep in our heart, cleanse everything out. Isn't that right? And beat on the clothes, put in the water, shake it. And what do you have to do? Ring Ring it. And in Korea, we ring it this way and the other way. My friends, God is doing that in this church. God will bring about shaking with the straight testimony. Of course, also through the false theologies, also through persecution, God will ring out and wash it. And if you're not faithful, you don't want to be washed, you'll be shaken out. You don't want to be cleansed, you'll be shaken out from the true and faithful. God is preparing. And then the Bible says, He will take out the spot, right? How do you get rid of spots? I don't know what we say, say what we sh- what we say, what we should say about bleach. <laughs> but what do you, do you have to what? Scrub. scrub it. Do you have any spots in your character? You know how God will take that out. He will scrub you. You know how. The Bible says. The Bible says, iron, sharpness, iron. You know what that means. God will scrub your bad character out with other people around you that you don't like. And you say, why this person is is living next to me? All of you are smiling. You must go into this experience right now. And you're like, I wish this person is out of my life. But my friends, keep that person with you because that person is helping you to take out your spot. You should thank him next time. Thank you. Praise God. I thank you so much for helping me to be cleansed. (laughs) Do you understand? God put those people... Listen. When God picks up a stone... To human eyes, they think it's this ugly stone. But God can see that this is diamond. But nobody can tell if it's diamond or not. So for God to make this stone, which is diamond, but a diamond beauty, the shape, he has to cut it. But diamond can be only cut by one. Only diamond can cut diamond. diamonds. Only human beings can cut you. And God will send almost calculated exactly the person that will take out your wrong character. That person may be your daughter. That person may be your son. That person may be your sister. That person may be your father, your mother. Why do, I say, why do I say these kind of people? Because Jesus said, Jesus said, yeah, your enemies, your, your household, isn't it? But the Bible says, love your enemies. In that process, you take out your spot. When you scrub it, it creates what? Heat. So you have to scrub it with what? Water and So, so if if you deal with people without the water, without the influence of the Holy Spirit, and without the soap, without the Word of God, if you just deal with people without the Word of God and without the Holy Spirit, guess what? It's going to create heat and it's going to tear your clothing. You're going to have a hole in your clothes. So, you must meet people with what? Word of God and the Holy Spirit. So when you meet people, when they rub you, it will take out your spot. Praise God for that. Aren't you glad? Amen. You should say, oh my, I need more of those kind of people. Sure. Sure. And if you ever pray, God send me some more, God will send you some more. And then, that's how you get rid of spots but the Bible said, without what? Wrinkle. To get rid of wrinkles, what do you have to have? No. what does that represent? <laughs> There's no water. There's no soap. It's what? And without wrinkle, my friend, is, means the final touch, isn't it? Isn't that what you do, the very last thing for your closing? The very final thing. What is it? It's a hot iron and it's pressure. And you cannot escape. And all that you have to do is just just lay flat on your on your front or back and let God take care of you. And that pressure might be, my friends, I don't know what I don't know what it is, but God will iron you out. And the only way you can survive is word of God in you. That's it. That is the only strength. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Why do we do need this? Why do we need this? Because my friend, we are preparing wedding what? Garment. Do you know any lady? <clears throat> do you know any bride? doesn't care about wedding preparation she doesn't care if uh, her wedding dress is all muddy and torn and te- you know it's it's all wrinkled and spot and she's holding a uh, dead flowers <laughs> most of the candles are already melted halfway How many of you uh, had a wedding experience? I did. Praise God. I know what it is to get ready for a wedding. Now don't look at my wife. Because my wife worked hard. And I know what she went through. and And I helped her. But when you have a wedding preparation, what's... What's the attitude of the bride's mind? Everything has to be what? Just right. The flower has to be this color. We men don't understand that. Just get any flower, just put it right there. Yeah, pick some wildflower, you know, out there. Just And the, the whatever, the, the pillars or candles have to be ch- this number. Why that number? Just get two or three, that's enough. And her dress has to be just right, perfect, everything. Three people, three people on this side, three people on that side. We have to get this color. No food has to be ready, everything. Usually the bride is very nervous on that day, right? Not because she's, I don't know, but not because they're getting married with this bridegroom, but everything has to be perfect. I remember my wife, She was sewing her dress like 10 minutes before she is about to walk in. She's still making it. It's just a dress underneath the gown. People don't usually look at it, but that has to be perfect. In other words, that which people cannot see, even that has to be perfect. So you add it to this, everything has to be perfect. Why? Because if you don't get things imperfect, your bridegroom will beat you up. Because you're scared? Why? Because you want to make that occasion very special because you love your bridegroom. Isn't that so? If that's how you prepare for the earthly wedding, how should we prepare for a wedding with Christ? What kind of attitude should we have in terms of perfection? Because we want to Get married to, to to be perfect? No, why? Because we love Jesus. We love that bridegroom. And my friends, the final mystery is mystery of this. In verse 31, the Bible says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a what? Great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the what? Church. So my friends, something like this. First mystery is Christ and you unite the hope of glory. And then, what's the second mystery? The body of believers has to be? Gathered together, united. And then what's third mystery? The body of believers and Christ be united. And what's the last mystery? And then with that, heaven and earth be united. All of this, my friend, is called the mystery of God. Should be finished. But did you know? That there is another mystery? Turn your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17, Revelation chapter 17. And, verse and verse 5. The Bible says, And upon her forehead was a name written. Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of what? Heartless and abomination of the earth. There's another mystery in the Bible. What what mystery is that? The mystery of what? Iniquity, Babylon. My friends, this mystery also has its unity. Look with me, verse 13. The Bible says, these, speaking of ten kings, these have, what? One mind, One mind and shall give their power and strength unto the who? The so at the end of time we have two mysteries, and two unity. And the mystery of iniquity have their unity, and they will have a mark of a beast. And God's mystery have its unity, and God's unity will have Seal of the living God. Two different movements at the end of time. The question is, which movement are we going to be involved? That's the reason why three angels' message. The first angels' message, promoting the mystery of God, give glory to him. But the second and third angels' message, warning against joining Babylonian unity, the mystery of iniquity. This is what it means. The mystery should be finished. This is why we as Seventh-day Adventists exist in this world, my friends. We have important responsibility, not, for, not only for ourselves, not only for our homes and churches, but all the people in the world today. This is the reason why we are not just a church, but we are a worldwide movement. To finish the mystery of God. But are you experiencing the mystery of God fulfilling in your home? In your life? Where are you today? My friends, time is now. Let's get ready. This is the reason why Paul says, Let this mind be in you. To have the mind of Christ, then we can all be in one mind, one judgment, one let us press together to have true unity which will prepare us to receive the latter rain and to finish God's work what do you say Amen. to learn to love if you can love the world as Christ loved the world The work of Christ for you is accomplished. If you can love the world, I'm not saying love the world in terms of love to sin. You understand that. If you can love the world as Christ loved the world, then His work for you is accomplished. Because now He can be sure to have His people truly reflecting character. Let us pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you have called us to experience and to fulfill the mystery of God. Help us, O Lord, to experience this truly individually and personally, that we might be able to give this message to the dying world. We cry for our church. We sigh and we mourn for our people because we see so much disunity and so many things are taking place. But I pray and I trust in God that we will do what we can to reflect thy character that we may help others to unite in the glory of self-sacrificing love, that the mystery of God will be fulfilled in our generation, that you may come back soon to take us home. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.